Good morning to you. Welcome to Grace Presbyterian Church. The Lord be with you. Welcome back to those of you who have been on vacation and away, those who are guests joining us on the stream. We're grateful that you're here. This morning we gather for worship. And um, I'm preaching over Psalm 29, and I'll obviously get into that later. But I just want to kind of prep you this call to worship that we're going to be looking at. We kind of peer into something really, really special, an angelic realm. Um, you know, we know there's something beyond the physical. There's something beyond what we can quantify with our hands and with measurements. Like, we know there's something beyond. Um, and the scriptures sometimes give us insight into special pictures that kind of help us ascend to this reality. That, yes, we gather here to worship. We're participating in worship. But also, the reality is, is that we are also spectators because all creatures worship this God, even the angels. And it's, it's hard for us to wrap our minds around that, um, but the scriptures teach us that just like angels, we gather to worship the king of creation. So let's join them. If you would please stand. This call to worship is from Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 to 3. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings, with two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling out to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. Amen. Let's sing together.
Please remain standing with me as we pray our prayer of adoration. Please unite your hearts with me. Let's go before our Father. Our glorious God, we adore you this day and every day. You are worthy, you are good, you are gracious and mighty. You secured our way to you in relationship, and you are with us. You are the only thing that is truly worthy of our worship and love. We give you thanks because of your son, Jesus, who you have chosen uh, to be with us and to save us and to make us your holy people without fault in your sight. You adopted us as your children. You've set us free by Jesus' blood. You've forgiven all of our sin. You've defeated death and have given us hope. You've brought us into your kingdom mission to renew and restore and recreate every corner of your world. You've given us your Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us and to encourage us. All praise and glory are yours this morning and forever. For the richness of your grace, for the splendor of your gifts, and the wonder of your love, we come to you in Jesus' name. Amen. As we come to our confession of faith this morning from the Heidelberg Catechism, um, we ask the question, why do we call Jesus Christ? Uh, some people think that's his last name. It's just, you know, Jesus, Kyle Bobus, Jesus Christ. Um, but the reason we call Jesus Christ is because that's his title. It communicates to us who he is, what he came to do, what he is doing even now, and what he will continue to do throughout all of time. So this morning, let's confess together, why is he called Christ that is anointed? Because he is ordained of God the Father and anointed with the Holy Ghost to be our chief prophet and teacher who has fully revealed to us the secret counsel and will of God concerning our redemption and to be our only high priest who by the one sacrifice of his body has redeemed us and makes continual intercession with the Father for us and also to be our eternal king who governs us by his word and spirit and who defends and preserves us in that salvation he has purchased for us. Let's remain standing as we sing together of this Christ, King of Kings. In the darkness we are waiting, we found hope, we found love. So from heaven you came running, there was mercy in your eyes. Coming on and brought to a virgin came the one. From a throne of endless glory to a cradle in the dirt. To reveal the kingdom coming and to reconcile the lost, to redeem the whole creation, you did not despise the cross. For even in your suffering, you saw to the other side, knowing this was our salvation, Jesus Lord, I say.
Please be seated. Our call to renewal this morning comes from John chapter 10, verses 27 to 30. Hear the word of our Lord. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. As we come to our time of confession this morning, we need to ask ourselves this question of who are we listening to and who are we going to for security? Uh, if you're like me, um, going to our Father, going to Scripture is one of the last places that we actually look. We go to a lot of other places first. But Jesus here reminds us in John's gospel that if we are his, we are known by him, we are loved by him, and we are secure forever in his hand. Our sin, our failings, our wanderings, they do not disqualify us from relationship with God if we are trusting in Jesus this morning. He alone is our security. He alone is the one that knows us and loves us and provides forgiveness and grace and redemption. So let's go before him now in humility and honesty, confessing our sin together using the prayer printed in your bulletin. Please pray with me. Faithful and gracious God, we come to you today as a deeply forgetful people. You've been so much better to us than we deserve, faithfully fulfilling your commitment to give us good things in Christ. Yet we quickly forget all the wonderful gifts you have already given us and feel angry and bitter when you won't answer our prayers the way we want you to. Instead of remembering your deliverance and running to you as our shield of refuge, we prefer to remain in bondage to our idols because we love our sins more than we love you and it seems too hard to fight against them. We doubt your goodness, power, and love many times each day. Forgive us. Cause us to know the certainty of your great love for us until we are transformed into people who love you deeply and are able to run the race before us with strong confidence and joyful hope in Christ. Our only hope is in you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Please take a few moments now to privately reflect and confess, trusting that if you are Jesus's, if you are trusting in him, you are secure in his hand. Friends, please look up and receive these words of encouragement from the prophet Ezekiel. He writes this, I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness, and from all your idols I will cleanse you. A new heart I will give you, and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove from your body the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. If you are trusting in Jesus this morning, this promise is yours. This promise has already come true. You have been made clean. You have been washed in Jesus' blood. You have been given a new heart, and you have been given a new spirit. Let's stand and respond to God's grace and mercy by singing together, His mercy is more. Please stand. Our sins, they are many, His 
Please be seated. We come now to our prayers of the people where we get to go before our God, having experienced his grace and mercy, and we get to call upon him as our father, and we get to experience his love and his mercy again. We get to come before him with everything that we are, everything that we struggle with, all of our praise, all of our discouragements, all of our excitement, because we have a God who loves us. We know that he hears us and he rejoices over us, so let's unite our hearts and our spirits together as we go before him in prayer. We'll conclude with the Lord's Prayer printed in your bulletin. Please pray with me. Our gracious and loving Father, we praise you that you are in control of our world, our circumstances, and that you care for every one of our needs. We thank you for Jesus' death and his resurrection that secured your people for yourself for all time. And we're thankful that you've given us the gift of your spirit to encourage and challenge and shape us more and more into Jesus' likeness. We thank you for your continued grace towards us, for your faithfulness and goodness to us, for your provision through your people, even to this place. We pray that you would truly free us to love the broken and the outcast and the hurting. Use us to expand your kingdom here in the woodlands through the beauty and the goodness and freedom and grace of your gospel. We do pray for your church this morning and all of her diversity. We ask that she would truly be marked by grace and holiness and humility and unity. We pray for Faith Bible Church this morning, for Scott Pollock and his family and staff. Uh, we praise you for their generosity and humility and care for us and care for this community. We thank you for their partnership in the gospel. And we ask that you would continue to bless and encourage them, that you would continue to use them to further your kingdom here in the woodlands. And we do pray for the nations and their leaders this morning as well. Give those who rule and make decisions and lead and serve as soldiers great wisdom and compassion. We pray that across your world there might actually be peace and there might actually be true justice. Uh, this morning our hearts are heavy for Afghanistan. Uh, bring peace and healing and comfort and renewal in the midst of war and unrest and fear and death there. Use your church there to love and to serve and to bring the presence of your spirit and the hope of the gospel to all who are around. For those who are even planning evil this morning, we beg that you would stop them and that you would even confront them with your gospel. Grant that in our own communities, uh, those who are troubled and those who suffer, those who are discouraged, those who are vulnerable, they might actually find support in their need and their brokenness, especially from your church. We trust Psalm 34, 18 this morning that tells us that you are close to the brokenhearted, that you save those who are crushed in spirit. And so we place our hope and our confidence and our trust in you in the midst of our discouragement and pain. And Father, for our community this morning, we are deeply thankful for it. Um, but we do know that among us, there are many in great needs, many of which will not be spoken this morning. For those battling illness, uh, whether physical or mental or emotional, we ask for health and strength and the comfort of your presence. For those who are lonely and discouraged, we ask for fellowship and love and the presence of your spirit. For those who are in the midst of great grief, give great comfort and assurance. And for those with broken or damaged relationships, we ask that your gospel would win the day, 
that you would bring true healing and repentance and reconciliation. Help us to lay aside all of our selfish wants and desires and look to love and to serve those around us, our spouses, our children, our neighbors, even those who oppose us. We ask that we would take hold of your vision for your kingdom and that we would labor to love our neighbors and that we would seek the good of those around us. We ask that you'd hear us now as we pray the prayer that your son has taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. At this time, children ages 4 through 2nd grade are dismissed to Children's Church in the back. Please stand. And now may the peace of Christ be with you. Extend that peace to one another. Truly, may Christ's peace be with you. Please be seated. Again, welcome to you. Thankful you're here. If you're a guest with us, we're grateful that you're here with us this morning to worship, to hear about God's promises, to be renewed and restored. That's what His Holy Spirit des desires to do as you hear the Word and as we sing together. And you're reminded of a God who both made you, cares for you, loves you, and welcomes you. A couple of announcements for you. One, in two weeks, two weeks from today, we're going to have our new members' reception it's not going to be a big party. I wish we could do that. But during our service, we're going to acknowledge our new members from this past 12 months. We'll take our vows publicly. For those who are members in the church, it's a chance for us to remember those vows. Um, but it's also an opportunity for us to welcome those who, as strange of a year as it's been, uh, maybe you don't even realize that they're members in our church. And so this would be a chance for you to see them. 
Um, community groups. So September 12th, ministry kickoff, Sunday schools are starting, a new sermon series, um, and community groups will begin kicking up. So if you have any desire to be in a community group, or a desire to host a community group, or to lead a community group, or you're like, I don't really know what a community group is, but maybe I'd like to hear more about it. Will you come talk to me? Um, we'd love to have some groups this fall where people are meeting together. Um, you know, the point of a community group is just to be able to get to know one another better, to pray with each other. Some meet every week. Some meet every other week. Some are doing well to meet once every five weeks. It, it's very livable, okay? So it's not like a you know, bond and blood, sovereignly administered, like big commitment that you're making. It's a chance for you to get to know others here at Grace. So if you have any interest in that at any level, please come talk to me or Nick Jones, who helps with that, with our community groups. We would like to talk about that. Today, if you're a ministry team leader, um, we're going to have a very brief meeting after worship in the fellowship hall to learn about the app a little bit. If you don't care, you don't have to come. If you're not a ministry team leader and you want to learn about it, you're welcome to come. So kind of everybody's invited. But it's a chance for our ministry team leaders to get to ask questions if they have any about some of the stuff we're doing to prepare for our September 12th uh, ministry kickoff. So right now our calendar's not totally updated. Hopefully the plan is, is that this month we'll get that stuff updated for you so you can know what's going on in the life of our church. And then finally, the most exciting event of the day, um, we're having a children's ministry event tonight, a water event. Kyle and Kate and others have been working hard on this to get it ready. Starts at 5 o'clock. It goes till 6.30. Children ages 4 through 6th grade are welcome to come. Parents, you're welcome to come and drop your kids off at 5. I mean, you know. Um, so you can, you can let them hang out here. And then what, the way that would really help us, that you really appreciate it, we really know you'll appreciate it, uh, is that if you pick them up at 6.30. Okay? Not 6.50 or 6.45 or whatever, you know. 6.30, please. Uh, we really appreciate that. So there'll be an event for the kids tonight. It's going to be great. Kids, we know you're getting excited about starting school and ending your rest and your summer, and um, you're probably not, but this is a way to maybe soften some of that, okay? So come and celebrate. Really looking forward to it, all right? We're coming out of our offering. It's an opportunity for those of us who are part of Grace Presbyterian Church who consider this our mission to give back a portion of what the Lord has given to us for the sake of this place and what we're doing here in the woodlands. And so, give now with thankful hearts. Scripture reading this morning comes from Psalm 29. Hear the word of the Lord. Ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. 
The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon leap like a calf, Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning. The voice of the Lord shakes the desert. The Lord shakes the desert of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists the oaks and strips the forest bare. And in his temple all cry, glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned as king forever. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Um, you, you ever think about displays, right? Things that are on display. Um, you know, I was watching the Olympics, and you've probably heard uh, this name, Tamira Mensah-Stock. Uh, it was really interesting to watch her. She's a female, she's a woman wrestler in the Olympics who won a gold. Like, the first one we've, we've, we've won as, an, as a nation in the Olympics. She did awesome. And the thing about her that's so fun is that people say she is so excited to be at the Olympics, and everyone around her knows it. Like, her excitement of being there is on display. So they say she giggles. She's giddy, she's joking around, she's full of joy. They actually said she brought her karaoke machine to Tokyo with her, okay? So, like, people are around, they're doing karaoke. Like, her love is sort of right there on display. And as a gold medalist, she wins $37,000. And so she's decided to give 30000 of it to her mother, who, uh, Tamara was actually raised in Katy, who's in Katy, and she wants to give her a food truck, because that's her mother's dream. And her joy, as you kind of watch her interviewed and stuff, it's compelling, and, you're, and it's, it's exciting to watch. And the more you learn about her, you also learn that she's had some tragedy in her life. Um, when she was 15 years old, her dad was driving home from one of her wrestling meets and died in a car accident on the way home. And so here she is in her 20s now, full of joy. She's taken her dad's last name. She's hyphenated it. She's giving her mother her reward as an Olympian. And everybody who sees her sees love on display. And when you watch her, you kind of think to yourself, I, I wish I could be more like that. It's tough, to be, it's tough to be like that, but she is an Olympian, like a gold medalist, so that's a tough standard. Um, but also, you think to yourself, I wonder if I could love people like that, or better yet, I wonder if anybody loves me like that. It's love on display, and it's compelling, and it's interesting. And when you read Psalm 29, there's something on display that is meant to evoke excitement, wonder. Um, it, you're meant to read it and think to yourself, woo, I'm peering into something I don't usually get to think about or peer into. Like, do you understand, like in the very beginning of the psalm, ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. You, you hear what's happening here. Now, in, in Psalm 29, it's sort of like a theater. It's like, it's like an experience of getting to watch and see who God is on display and how he wields the power of that is his. And the psalmist starts by saying, ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. We have entered into a metaphysical reality as you read Psalm 29. You're actually hearing the angels being called to worship God. Kind of like we get called to worship every Sunday morning here at Grace Presbyterian Church. We have our call to worship. That's not just a neat little intro that Kyle and I put together to kind of get you to stop talking so we can start worship. That's not what it is. It's actually... Um, an ancient practice where, through God's word, we're called into saying, hey, as a people, let's think about what's happening. We're being called into worshiping God. Ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. When you think about who God is, how do you define it? When you think about God being on display, if you're going to behold him, if you're going to see him, who is he? Now, we live in a culture that has lots of answers to that question. Like, God is whoever you want him to be. It's actually not true. You know, sometimes my children want me to be a different kind of dad. I'm just not. I'm, I'm the dad that they get, right? We can't actually decide in our hearts, I've decided who I will allow God to be, and I've decided what he's going to be like, and I've decided what he's going to love, and I've decided how great he's going to be. No, 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 no. Ascribe to the Lord. Attribute to the Lord. 
credit to the Lord. See the Lord for who He is. Ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory that's due His name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. Who do you see God as? I have really good news for you. The kind of God you could make up is nowhere near as interesting as the God of the Scriptures. The kind of God you think your heart wants is nowhere near gracious enough and loving enough and kind enough and interested enough in you than the God that's been revealed to you. God is revealing himself to us in the Scriptures. That's why we preach in the Scriptures, why we talk about the Scriptures all the time at Grace. That's why our, our worship services are filled with the Scriptures because you don't need to hear just Brad's idea of who God is. What you need is to hear God's idea of who he is. Who is he? See, attribute, ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings, glory and strength, the glory to his name, the splendor of his holiness. That is who God is. And as we sort of sit as sort of spectators, which is an interesting experience, although many times you may come to church and think, I'm not like really catching what's going on, I'm just going to people watch. Like who doesn't love the people watch? But that's not what's happening. This is actually, we're seeing angels being called into worship and we're watching it happen. Now, angels are a big deal. We know that because every time they appear in the scriptures, people freak out. And they try to worship them. No one sees an angel and goes, up here, buddy. Nobody. They see him and go, please don't kill me. Who are you? Those angels are being put in their place to say, attribute to God the glory to his name. See him for who he is. The one who is strong. The one who is gracious. The one who is faithful. The one who is holy. I just had a conversation with a friend this week about what holy means. Like, what do we mean when we say holy? Well, what holy means is to be set, it's, it's to be set apart. It's to be different than. It's to be entirely other than whatever it is you're referring to, the other stuff you're referring to. To be holy means unique, purposefully set apart. God is unique. He is holy. There's no one like him. No one compares. There's no one as strong. To say God is strong is to acknowledge that everything else is weaker. Acknowledge the splendor of his holiness. You know, for many of us, understanding what God is like, is, it's a difficult concept, right? We kind of like tangible stuff, quantifiable stuff. You know, we can, I can determine the value of something by how much gold it's worth. That's, that's something we all agree on, right? But what does it mean to really quantify and measure love? You know, what does it mean to really quantify and measure faithfulness? It, it, you, you're living a lie if you think that that's act, we only live in this world of touchy things we can feel and touch and measure. There's metaphysical realities of who God is. By the power of God's Spirit, He's present with us now. As we hear His Word, His Spirit working in our hearts because He is holy and He is strong and He is mighty. Verse 3, how is God revealed? The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Breaks pe- the, the, the Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon leap like a calf and Syrian like a wild ox. It's like you know, taking these really powerful enemies and turning them into a cute little calf that you see on a milk carton. Making Syrian like a wild ox, a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning. The voice of the Lord shakes the desert. The Lord shakes the desert of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists the oaks and strips the forest bare. And in his temple, all cry, glory. No kidding. If this is true, if this is real, this is the God who humbled himself in the person of Jesus Christ and came and sacrificed himself for us so that we could sit here and go, we're going to ascribe to the Lord the glory of his name. We're going to see him for who he is. He's the one whose voice is over the waters. You ever tried to talk to somebody across a river? You ever tried to have a conversation with someone who's in a bath? Like water's hard to talk over. His voice pierces right over it. It's like thunder. Now, if you've ever been in a serious thunderstorm, and you think about the voice of the Lord being like thunder, that's a very real experience, right? You know what that's like. The scriptures are giving us metaphors, ideas, analogies to be able to take into our world what is God like? Well, his voice is like thunder. 
And I remember hiking with my boys in an area called the Devil's Backbone, which is kind of near Colorado Springs. And it looks, it's called the Devil's Backbone because as you look up on the hill, it looks like some big dinosaur laid on its side and there's just these scales. And what happens is, is during thunderstorms, lightning often strikes these things. So they have plenty of warning signs all around Devil's Backbone that say this, if you see thunder, you need to get out of here. It's not safe for you. No one hears thunder on the devil's backbone and goes, sweet. Everyone says, run for cover. The kind of power that could be unleashed on us could be fatal and could just zap us. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. It's majestic. It blows up trees. It makes enemies scurry off like little infants. It shakes the deserts. It twists oaks. It strips the forest bare. And all in his temple, the angels that have just been called to ascribe to God who he is, cry out, if you want a good word to describe who God is, glory. When you think about who God is, do you look at him as he has been revealed Or do you look at him through some other lens? The other lens doesn't get at it. The scriptures are making God knowable, accessible, ways for us to sort of understand who he is and to be able to understand what it means to worship him. When we gather in this place to worship God, we gather to worship one who just his voice could explode the pines of the woodlands. Just as just speaking That's how powerful he is. And the angelic beings stop and they attribute to him who he is. So what are some of the themes from Psalm 29? Well, one is is that God is powerful, right? That's very, very, very clear. But what else do we get from Psalm 29? Look at verse 10. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned as king forever. He's enthroned over the flood and enthroned as king forever. Now, for the Old Testament follower of God... Um, obviously flood would have brought up ideas of Noah's Ark, right? The great flood. That he's the, he's the Lord over that. And that he's the king forever. What the psalmist is doing is giving us ideas to take something that might feel very abstract and distant, like having a relationship with God and knowing who he is, and making it something we can understand. Now, my wife Jamie's an algebra teacher. I don't tell you that so you can hire her for tutoring. Um, I'm telling you that because she's taught lots of kids here in the woodlands, and then when we lived in Southwest Houston, she was a teacher for years and years and years, and I've seen the test she grades, and I see the equation, and then she tells me that that's the answer always, like that's always the answer, and I do not understand how those two things connect. Now, if I was really patient, she could walk me through it. She could take the very abstract and show me how this is the precise reality that this equation is representing. That's what the scriptures are trying to do for us. What is God like? How powerful is he? Just his voice can be heard over Niagara Falls. He could speak to you from California, and you'd hear him on the other side of the ocean. His voice is over the mighty waters. He's enthroned over the flood. When you think of flood, what comes to mind? If you're a member of this church, if you've been here a little while, flood's pretty fresh for us, right? This place right here, we all remember, was full of water, and the walls have been removed, and sound systems have been replaced. And like we, we have a very tangible sense, like I'm starting to breathe heavy just sitting here talking about it. We know what it's like to have a flood. But forget that for a minute. The idea of being in a flood is what? Helplessness. Um, rising danger. Something you can't escape from, right? When that happens to you in your life, remember the powerful one's words, the majestic one's words, the one whom the angels cry out and say, glory, this is what he said. I am enthroned over the flood. As powerful as the flood is, I am more powerful still. So one of the themes we're meant to take away from this is that actually he really is the king forever. Not for a four-year term, not for eight years, not for a hundred years. He's the king enthroned forever. What in your life is big enough to be enthroned over the flood and king forever? There's nothing except the one who has revealed himself to you and wants you to know him. So in your moment of feeling like you're in the flood, you don't think to yourself, well, now what? Which is kind of what I thought for a good 30 minutes when I walked around our church. 
after the flood in February. Eventually, the Holy Spirit says, hey, I'm enthroned over the flood. I'm the king forever. Well, what's the battle plan? You don't get to know that yet. You get to know this. I'm enthroned over the flood, and I'm the king forever. Well, how powerful are you? Well, Psalm 29. This is the God that we worship. You know, Jesus Christ is called <clears throat> the king for this reason. He fulfills these promises for us. He's enthroned over the flood. He's the king forever. Now, what does God do with that? The angels cry out. They ascribe to him glory and honor that's due his name. They say, hey, you're strong. The psalmist writes for us and gives us really vivid word pictures about just the very voice of God. And he's the king enthroned forever. He's over the flood. Okay, what does that mean for Brad Wright today? Verse 11, the Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. You ever wanted to know what God's intentions are for you in your life? His intentions for you is, are that you would know this, that he gives strength to his people, that he desires to give peace to you. Yeah, but I'm in a flood and I can't see it. I know. He's enthroned over the flood. He's the king forever. Remember his voice, just his voice alone. He can blow up trees. He can send enemies scattering. That's the one who wants you to know this. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. Do you know God well enough? Have you experienced his strength and his peace? For some, that's an easy question, easy answer. Yes, I have. I've had experiences in my life. I'll tell you about them. We're going to be together a while here at Grace. Lots of sermons to come. I'll share all that with you as time goes on. But maybe you're in a place where you're like, no, I really haven't experienced God's strength. And I really haven't experienced this peace you're telling me about. You're on a journey of faith. And eventually, your heart's going to wonder, is there a God who's bigger than whatever? Is there one who's strong enough in this moment? Go to Psalm 29. Maybe. Ask the Spirit. Help me believe. Help me to understand this is who you are. Jesus in Matthew 28 says this as he's about to leave the disciples and ascend into heaven. After his death and his crucifixion and his resurrection, Jesus says, or read in Matthew 28, then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted, right? They're there with Jesus. They went there because he told them to go. And some are there, and they're like, yeah, I get it. And some are there, and they doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, and this is Jesus' last words he gives to his people, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Why does Jesus choose those words for his people when he's leaving them? Just a quick side note. You hear these words and we hear these and think, oh, yeah, that's great, going to all the nations. That's who we are. We are the unimagined recipients of the promise Jesus is giving to his disciples right here, they were not thinking about us. That's too big. And yet here we are on this day, in this year, among this people, reading Jesus' words and saying, it's true. He is the strong one. He is the one who brings peace. These promises Jesus made to his people way back in the first century are coming true right here this morning in the woodlands. And so why does Jesus give this to his, to his people? Well, two things, kind of fits with the sermon here. One, because he's the eternal king. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He is the eternal king. All authority. Listen, we all operate under authority, okay? Whether it's at work, or whether it's at school, or whether it's nature and your health, we all operate under authority. No authority is greater than this one. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then he gives us his will. I want you to go out into all the world, baptize them in, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. Why? Why does Jesus want people baptized and to be taught about following him? Do you know what happens? Do you know what the, the way that leads, if we follow Jesus and obey him, do you know where that leads? 
the Lord blesses his people with peace. In following Jesus, we actually take a path that is leading us towards the kind of peace Jesus wants for us. In trusting in his ways, as we read in Proverbs chapter 3, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. And what? He will make your path straight. That doesn't mean easy. It means he'll make the direction clear. And in those moments where you need him to be big, good news, he is. Scribe to the Lord glory and honor. Jesus' desire, even with his people here in Matthew 28, echo, he's echoing what is read here in Psalm 29. The Lord desires to give strength to his people. He has all authority in heaven and on earth. And he wants to bring them peace. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded. And here, here's the, the beautiful aspect of what Jesus leaves his people with. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. For those who put their trust in Jesus, there's no such thing as being left alone. The Holy Spirit is with you. Jesus is with you. And Jesus actually intends for the church to be an embodiment of his love for you. His love on display. One of the most powerful places, this is a final illustration, then we'll be done. One of the most powerful places to see what we're reading here in Psalm 29 and what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 28. To see that actually become beautiful, like to see it on display. The best place to see it is in the life of someone who's been transformed by the love of God. And I'm going to tell you a story about one of your spiritual grandmothers. All right? You ever heard the name Fanny Crosby? You ever heard this name? She was an American missionary. And she's been credited with writing, um, I'm just going to be conservative, 8,000 hymns. Okay? Uh, She's written over 1,000 poems. She was one of the first American composers to write a cantata. She was an American missionary. She operated under like 200 pseudonyms because the publishers were like, we can't give that much credit to one person. Like, it's just weird. We can't do that. She wrote hymns such as Blessed Assurance. Maybe you've heard that. Pass Me Not, O Gentle Savior. To God Be the Glory. She wrote thousands of hymns about God's love for her, God's love for the world, God's purposes in the world, what it means to trust in Him, what it means to rest in Him. She did all these things. I'm going to read to you just one stanza from her hymn, Pass Me Not, O Gentle Savior. Pass me not, O gentle Savior, she writes. Hear my humble cry. While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. Let me at thy throne of mercy find a sweet relief. Kneeling there in deep contrition, help my unbelief. Trusting only in thy merit would I seek thy face. Heal my wounded, broken spirit. Save me by thy grace. You, thou the spring of all my comfort, more than life to me. Whom have I on earth beside thee? Whom I in heaven but thee? Savior, Savior, hear my humble cry. While on earth, while on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. So beautiful. But here's the thing about Fanny Crosby. When she was about three months old, she came down with an illness. And some quack doctor decided to use a sort of mustard remedy thing and rubbed it all over her eyes, just this little baby. And she did get better, which was great. And she was also blind from that point forward. So from three months on, she's blind for the rest of her life. And so when you read her hymns, you're reading the hymns of someone who's never seen the light of day, not that she can remember. One who's actually never seen the scriptures written down like you and I have seen. And yet she has this intimate fellowship with God because she's heard these promises. She's clung to them. She's, she's believed in them. And I've often wondered when I think about her, I wonder, because part of the promises for those who trust in Jesus is that we're going to get new bodies. We're going to be renewed and restored. Things are going to be like they're supposed to be. We're going to be reunited with loved ones. Like things are going to be great. I'm not going to be 45-year-old Brad anymore. I'm thinking like a solid 23, maybe 22 or something. I wonder, I just I wonder if with her new eyes, the first face she saw wasn't Jesus' face. That she didn't open her eyes and say, I have known you my whole life. I've written thousands of songs about you, and it is true. The same woman who writes, help my unbelief. It is a journey of faith that we're all on. And so when you read Psalm 29, it's not meant to be read as those who are like, you know, ascribe to the Lord glory and honor. I mean, you can do that if you want. It's meant to be written as saying, okay, help my heart believe this is true. That even in the heavenly realms at this moment, angels are being called into worship like we are. We recreated each Sunday. But angels are being called into worship to say, 
You are worthy of glory and honor. The lamb that was slain, your grace is sufficient for the world. We worship you and they worship you and we praise your name. And God says with that, my desire is to give my people strength and peace. That's the closer of the psalm. You know, this week as you go about your business, I don't know what you're going to face. I know you're going to face it. My hope is, is that you go back to Psalm 29 and you remember, this is the God I worship. This is who he is. Even his voice is powerful enough to, to penetrate anything, whether I'm in mighty waters or a flood or wherever I am, his voice can go right there and I can hear him. And would you do this for me, Lord? Would you give me strength like you promised to do? Would you give me peace like you say that you will because you are the glorious one? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, as we think about Psalm 29, it truly is a metaphysical, sort of heavenly, otherworldly in some ways, expression of your love on display for us, your glory on display for us. Lord, we would ask for every single soul in this room this morning, for all of our friends online, that you would use your scriptures to help us see you for how you've revealed yourself, the one who's worthy of honor and glory. And that you take that power that you have and your desire is that as we unite our faith to the promises of the gospel, that you bring strength into our lives and you bring peace into our lives. Would you do that in and through us? We are able to ask all of this because of what our Savior has given to us, who is with us even today as he has promised. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we come now to the supper, it is a chance for us to confess what we believe in a very physical way. This bread broken for us, representing Christ's body broken for us. This wine here is representing his blood shed for us. And all of this so that we can access, by grace and through faith, the strength Jesus offers and the peace that he offers. If your hope is in Christ, the glorious one has promises for you even today. And therefore, lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Together we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. Would you please stand? Let's sing together how deep the Father's love for us. Dying breath. 
you would please be seated. If you have the elements with you, you can go ahead and open those and get those ready. If you don't have it, we have them in the back. There's someone who can hand them to you. Once those are ready, I'll pray for us and then we will celebrate. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus Christ, we do come before you because you are the one who was broken for us, the one whose blood was shed for us, the one who rose for us, the one who us, promises us that as we trust in you, you bring us strength and you bring us peace. Would you take these very common elements and use them for the purpose of encouraging your people as we unite our faith with what Christ has given to us on the cross? On the night that our Savior was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body given for you, take and eat. And in the same way, he took the cup. And he said, this cup is a new covenant for covenant in my blood shed for many for the forgiveness of sins. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Brothers and sisters, eat and drink by faith. Amen. If you would please stand, we're going to sing our final song of commitment, just the chorus from King of Kings. Let's sing together. been great having you here with us for worship this morning. A uh, reminder, if you're a ministry team leader, you can go to the fellowship hall for that brief meeting and now receive the Lord's benediction. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now let us go forth to serve this community and our world as those who love our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God.